0: Prayer. Going to God and pleading with Him for a little girl, and He heard and He answered. And a mom, terrified to walk out here, couldn't keep herself away to thank You. Friends, let's pray. No, seriously, let's pray. God, we thank you because you are a great God and a good God. And while as we understand who we are, we realize there's no reason to listen to us, but you do because you love us and you care for us. God, I know that you have a perfect plan for each of us. And Part of the plan is learning to trust you and to call upon you, God, and to see you work on our behalf for your glory and our good. And So I pray, God, that you will help us with this as we work through this uh, this book of Colossians, God, that you have recorded and preserved for us, that we might gain wisdom and experience the life that you have for us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Grammatically, it means start and don't stop. Communion, communication with our loving Heavenly Father. And let's be honest about it, friends. We're not always that good about it, are we? And I'm not even talking about the frequency of it. Sometimes I'm just talking about the content of it. Sometimes, uh, well, maybe let's just be honest, we've got a ways to go, each one of us here, including the guy standing on this rug and learning more about prayer. I mean, maybe you like a little girl who was uh, sitting around a table on a Sunday afternoon. Her mom had invited numerous people over for lunch after a Sunday sermon and, uh, and when she was busy in the kitchen getting everything ready, finally everything was prepared. It was all laid out. And mom looked at her little eight-year-old daughter and said, Honey, would you like to pray for us? And that little girl looked around, all these giant people around the table. There was the pastor and the deacon and, and the guy at the door. And, and, and she was pretty intimidated and said, I don't know what to say. And mom just advised her, you know, say what mommy says. So she bowed her head and said, Lord, why did we invite all these people here? Not quite the prayer she'd hoped for. And maybe that's what our prayer life looks like. Not quite the prayers I wish we were praying these days. Maybe not the depth. And fortunately, God has given us his word. And as you know, uh, two weeks ago, we began a study in the book of Colossians. this, This tiny letter full of great wisdom, instruction, teaching, whose focus is Jesus Christ. And the impact this letter will have when we read it and understand it and live it will be life change. And ironically... This letter, like so many others that Paul wrote, begins with prayer. Perhaps it's a hint to us that prayer is a starting place. It's where you begin before you start your day. It's where you begin before you begin your Sunday school class, your lesson, your, your 8, 9, 10, 12 hours at work. It's where we begin And thus, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae begins. And I have some bad news. The fact is that in a room this size with this many people in it, the fact is that someone is sitting there today saying, Prayer life, what are you even talking about? If it's still on life support, if it may even be dead. It's been days, weeks, months. Could it be even years since you've even prayed? And friends, if that's where it begins, if it doesn't start there, friends, that's where it ends. But fortunately, we have the chance here this morning to peek in on the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. And as we read through this prayer that he offers, we can learn some things about what we ought to be praying about. What it is that brings about change in our lives and the lives of the people around us. So what we have here perhaps is a bit of a prayer guide. And so if you will join me in Colossians chapter 1, we will jump in at verse 3 and we will take a look at this prayer guide together. I want you to notice that Paul is always praying for the church. Paul prays for the church. I want to ask you this, do you? I mean, I'll tell you what, we're pretty good about praying about the things in our life, and we ought to be. But I'll tell you, if you want a healthy prayer life that's growing, include some other people in that. I know that many of you have been praying for the Pettits and for precious Kara, and she's gone through this this, this, this traumatic event here recently. But being praying for others is where it begins here. Paul starts here in verse 3 with a prayer of gratitude. And I I imagine that Paul starts here because it sets our heart right. It begins to tune our heart in to who God is and what he has done. Notice this prayer of gratitude. He says, verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And So Paul is grateful. And it has something to do with those believers, those followers of Christ in the city of Colossae. And he says, when I think about you, I am grateful to God. And then verse 4 says, since we heard of, and apparently there were some events taking place in Colossae that caused Paul to lift his voice to heaven and give thanks. What were those things? Well, I notice here that... uh, That uh, we want to, when we think about gratitude, we want to explore the studio space in this one, friends. I mean, we want to stay out of the box, as it were, and try to remember what we thanked him for yesterday so we can mouth out those words. When we we talk about giving thanks to God, we want to move beyond, God, thank you for my family and for the really nice weather we've been having, and oh, for that great parking spot I had yesterday. We want to move beyond that. You know, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, and it's really a, the prayer the Lord gave to us, it's a model prayer, an outline prayer. And it all begins where it ought to begin. Our Father, the focal point is on God. Our Father, who art in heaven, that is the place where He rules. Hallowed be your name. That the things we're going to ask about are the things of God. Your kingdom come and your will be done. I wonder when of the last time those showed up in your prayer life. God, I want to talk about the things that you're doing in this world. How I can be a part of it. How God I can use the things that are in my hands and God maybe how you could place a few key things in my hands to make a difference in people's lives. Give me the divine resources both internally and externally, God, that I could change the world. Well, the first thing that Paul is thankful about here is the fruit of the gospel, the fruit of the gospel. As you know, Paul was uh, sent to preach the gospel, and we all know what the gospel is, don't we? Say it together, it's those 10 words, Christ died for my sins and rose from the dead. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. 10 words that changed my life and have changed yours, have they not? that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die, paying the penalty for our sin that we so justly deserve. And he rose from the dead, giving us new life, new hope. And so Paul had preached the gospel, not to the church at Colossae, but he was still concerned about the impact of the, the gospel there in Colossae. And he was grateful to God because of the fruit of the gospel. And he says, since we heard of your faith, In Christ Jesus, these people heard the gospel. They accepted it as true and put their trust in Christ. And their life was changed for all eternity. And that's where it began. That's where it began, trusting in Christ. But it didn't stop there with these people and nor should it stop there with you and I. We are not an ending plate here. We are not backstops. We are vessels in which the gospel not only dwells in us, but flows through us. When we talk about the art of neighboring, friends. It's, it's, it's ironic because, you know, when you find something great in your life, you know, whether it be some hair product or a new cleaner for stains in the rug or whatever it is, when you find something that is amazing, you tell other people. And that is the very nature of the gospel. If it has transformed your life, friends, you cannot keep it to yourself. The question is, how could you possibly be so selfish as to keep it to yourself? And they did not. See, many, including the Colossians, had come to faith in Jesus Christ, since we heard of your faith in Jesus. But having come to faith in Christ, they also had love for all the saints The saints were were not a a, a set-apart couple of people there that sat in the, the front row and had really big Bibles. The saints were nothing more than people who had put their trust in Jesus Christ. These were brothers and sisters in the faith. They looked around when they gathered together on the first day of the week. And they were willing to sacrifice for the good of the people around them. They had love for others and friends that's one of the greatest fruit of the gospel not only our love for God who saved us but the love for people around us and so he was grateful for the fruit of the gospel starting with the faith in the gospel faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for the saints and then for the hope that you have in heaven wait did you see that faith love and hope. Later, Paul would write to the church at Corinth and say, the greatest of these is love. But I'll tell you what, love won't come if faith doesn't come first. And I'll tell you, if there's love around, there's going to be faith. And when there's faith and love, there's going to be hope. These three travel together. They're not oars on a boat. They're They just travel together, friends, and they change people's lives, and they're what set people apart and makes people ask, what is it about you that's so different than everyone else? And Paul is grateful for that kind of thing developing within the church at Colossae. But it wasn't just for the church at Colossae, friends. It's for Family Bible Church here in Portage and every other church throughout the world. It starts with faith in Jesus Christ, a faith that changes us. Sin, the thing that we've been saved from, is selfishness, doing everything for our own sake. But when our life has changed, it is transformed into love. And love means we begin to look on the needs of others. And we begin to act for the benefit of others. So when we're on a a, a journey, uh, we're on vacation, and we hear that somebody has a need... We step out and we say, hey, we're going to break out this vacation and see that God may have placed us in this area for something else. You say, yeah, but it's my vacation and I don't take very many. But the love constrains us. The love that comes from Christ compels us to step outside of our comfort zone, our selfish zone, and to invest in the life of someone else. And so here, the fruit of the gospel is faith in Christ and love for others and hope that is laid up in heaven, secured by Christ himself. But he's not just thankful for the fruit of the gospel. I notice also that he is thankful for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel, as we mentioned before, was meant to continue on. If you got it, then share it. And I noticed the prevalence of the gospel here. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. You see, Paul had invested his whole life in preaching the gospel. He was willing to endure great suffering. He was arrested and beaten. He was shipwrecked. He went through all kinds of threatenings. All for the sake of the gospel, that people like me and people like you could know the truth that will set us free from the bondage of sin and bring us into a relationship with God filled with hope and peace and joy, satisfaction and love. And Paul was grateful that the gospel was going forth. I wonder if that's made it into your prayer list lately. God may you cause those who are out preaching the gospel to be successful. Will you give them great success? God, give them boldness that when people are intimidating and shouting and calling them names that they will not turn around but they will continue on. And God, help me to be one of those people who won't just keep it to myself. God, help me to be a world changer. Because whatever you ought to be praying for, you ought to be also willing to be an answer to it. God, send someone to Portage High School, but not me. God, in my workplace, will you raise up, hey, maybe he already did. Always be ready in your school, a place of complacency, chasing after selfishness. God, bring someone, Well, maybe he already did. Always be willing to be an answer to your own prayers that God could even use you. And so he's thankful. He's grateful for the fruit of the gospel. He is grateful for the furtherance of the gospel, the prevalence. It's everywhere, all throughout the world, he says. And it's also as it is also among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. But I think Paul is also thankful for something beyond the prevalence of the gospel. I think he's grateful for the effectiveness of the preacher. Here in verse 7, Paul says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our brother, uh, beloved fellow servant, and he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so Paul begins this letter with a wonderful greeting and a, and a prayer that pulls back the curtain that we can look in and see Paul's heart with great gratitude for what God has already done in the lives of the people there. Oh, God has so much more, but what a great place to start. A prayer of gratitude. But Paul never stops there. Paul never stops at gratitude. God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Now let's go take a vacation, not for the Apostle Paul. God, it is clear that you're doing a work here. But God, I also know there is so much more. And so this prayer of gratitude lends itself into a prayer for growth, a prayer for growth. That, God, they might not be settling on where they are, a great start, but an inability to move forward. This prayer for growth starts here in verse 9. Did you notice that? Here in verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. I mean, Paul, this is exciting to Paul. Paul had the heartbeat of God. He knew the things that were important to God. And he was focused on them. He was a cheerleader. He was a coach. He was all of these things writing these letters, visiting these churches, and saying, there is so much more. Why settle for where you're at when God has so much more? And what does he pray for them for this growth? And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. (coughs) Perhaps one of the greatest questions that every believer asks at some point and maybe at many points in their life is this. What does God want? I mean, I've heard, who hasn't heard, that God has a will, a good plan for your life. Well, that's good to know. Just tell me what it is. I mean, there are are some generic things, uh, and by generic, I don't mean to lessen them, that are for all of us. That God is conforming us to the character of his son, producing within us the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the list continues. God also has caused you to be salt and light in this world, every one of us. Yeah, but what about what college I should go to? And what about this vehicle that keeps breaking down? What does God want me to do with this? And there are some difficulties in this world that we'd just like some answers. God, just show me. If you give me the marching orders, God, I will march. Just show me the way. And Paul says, because every believer has these questions, he is praying that these believers would be filled with the knowledge of his will. One of the ways to know that is by reading the Word of God as you read and study and internalize the Word of God, then you have put the DVD of instructions in the spiritual GPS of the Spirit of God because it is the Spirit of God that uses the Word of God to lead and guide the child of God in the process of conforming him or her to the character of the Son of God. No God's will—that should be on your prayer life, friends. God, what it is what, 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 what is? what is it that you want me to do today? God, what are some of the goals that, to, that we should be setting for the years to come? What kind of studies in the Scripture should I be looking at? God, lead me. It doesn't have to ma- match up with the events of today. God, just help me to be prepared for the events of tomorrow. Lead me, God, lead me. So be filled with the knowledge of his will. But also, verse 10 says, So as, see, when you're you're filled with the knowledge of his will, then you will be able to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. See, this is where it all starts up here. When we come to an understanding of what is true and what is good And what is right, then we can make our decisions based upon these things. When God says it is right and good to do one thing, then we know the thing that we ought to do. And when we walk in these ways, then we bring pleasure to God. And all of them, all of them certainly decided and acted upon by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so walking in a manner that is worthy of God. And what does that look like? Well, it means being fully pleasing to Him. And again, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so this walk that is worthy surely must begin and end with faith. But I notice it also looks like this, bearing fruit in every good work. How is it that we live in a way that is worthy of the Lord? Well, we live in a way that is pleasing to Him, a way that bears fruit in every good work. Well, what do we mean by bearing fruit? Fruit is the result of the work of God in our life and through our life. Recently, we did a, a, six, a four-week study on evangelism. We were equipped to talk to the lost about Christ. Knowing it is always the first step. Surely it is with the gospel. First you have to hear it and understand it, but then you have to act on it. It is the difference between heaven and hell. The same is true in our study of evangelism. Understanding it is always the first step, but acting on it is the difference between heaven and hell. For a lost person, making the gospel known. You see, the work we did in learning it only bears fruit when we live it out. As a believer early on, having come to faith in Christ and seeing how my life was changing, hearing from others, asking, well, what's different about you? One of the things that I heard early on is, is as a believer, you don't want to go through your life without bearing any spiritual fruit. Certainly, we talk about the the fruit of the Spirit, which is the work that God accomplishes in us. But what about those acts of obedience? I mean, surely, if, if, if giraffes bear out giraffes, and dogs have puppies, and kittens have kittens, and all of these things, should not believers bear forth believers? I mean, do you want to live the rest of your life without ever having won someone to faith in Jesus Christ and help them walk to maturity? I think that's God's plan from the beginning. Bearing fruit. It's a good question to ask about ourselves in the quietness of this morning. What kind of fruit? Has God born in my life? And what has been reproduced in the life of someone else? good place to, to look first is to take a look at your children. I mean, that's, that's your flock immediately. But have you moved outside of that flock? You could certainly look at a classroom, but how about the neighborhood or the workplace? where it is that God has placed you, where you have a sphere of influence. Prayer for growth, knowing God's will, walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord. And then I notice here in verse 11, he also says that you might be strengthened. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance. <laughs> So I suppose if we're going to pray a prayer for growth, of knowing God's will and and walking in a way that is worthy, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit, and increasing in the knowledge of God, we're going to need the power of God. Because none of these things can be accomplished within the power of our own self. It doesn't matter how far you can run or how much weight you can lift or any of these things, friends. It requires the power of the Spirit of God, the power that rose Jesus from the dead, and the power that dwells within you, the Spirit of God. So you're going to need some strength. Why? Well, may you be strengthened with all power, verse 11, according to His glorious glorious might, for all endurance. Because apparently along the way we're going to want to quit. We're going to want to take a break and throw it to the side and get onto something else and put in a movie. But we're going to need the strength of God to continue on. That's endurance, friends. That's endurance. Endurance for what? To have patience with joy. Well, wait a minute here. Patience with joy. Isn't it hard enough to have patience, let alone to have it with joy? Well, friends, within your own strength, you cannot. But apparently, the Bible thinks that that's possible. And not only that, it ought to be popular among the believers. That we ought to be not only patient, but have joy as we wait. And if that hasn't been your experience, maybe that ought to be on your prayer list. Maybe now you have a reason to pray more than three or four minutes. Has it been that long? You see, life is is serious stuff, friends. This is life and death. This is accomplishing the will of God for your life and His purpose in your life or just walking away. Friends, don't just walk away. We're going to need the strength of God to endure, to have patience with joy and also to give thanks, to be grateful Because sometimes, in our own strength, we grow weary. And what happens when we get weary? Let's be honest. We get grumpy. And when we get grumpy, we're not too grateful, are we? You see, when you start seeing the weakness, and it's not because of the long hours. It's because of the emptiness that you have inside. You need to go to God and ask Him to fill you. To give you the strength and the power to live it out with joy, endurance and patience, all with joy. And to give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. little reminder of why it's worth it. Because God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I mean, you have an inheritance secured in heaven. The guarantee is the Spirit of God indwelling your life. And there is nothing that can change that. So fall, you will. Get back up. Ask God for the strength to continue giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. It is this very God who has delivered us, according to verse 13, from the domain of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Look at all that God has already done for you. And He has done this, that many things can be accomplished in your life and through your life. And here in verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Friends, forget upgrading the RAM. You don't need a new mouse or keyboard. What you need is a new prayer list.